For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. How are you now? How are you on this fine Saturday night? Maybe it's Sunday morning. It's almost fucking Sunday morning already here. How's everybody doing? I'm having a scotch. Don't judge me. You don't know my life. I had to go to a four-year-old's birthday party today. It wasn't like me by myself. Like I wasn't invited to the four-year-old's birthday party. My four-year-old was invited to another four-year-old's birthday party and you know anybody out there with kids knows you can't just drop your four-year-old off and be like here you go here's another one for you have fucking fun with all these kids so you got to stay there and uh yeah they were very energetic they took a lot out of me and uh and then i came home and you know hung out for a little bit watched some ufc and then we had the montreal canadians playing against the washington capitals and uh we're gonna get to the recap but first uh we gotta read something from our sponsor and it's a texas showdown in the postseason and bet online is your number one one source for all your baseball wagering info with up to the minute stats news scores and matchup breakdowns get the latest game odds spreads and totals for baseball the nfl college football all at your fingertips with bet online's real-time updates on statistics news and odds we have everything you need to stay up to speed to each lcs all the way through to the world series head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action don't forget to use promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And this game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Washington Capitals started uh, with a lot of missing the net for the Montreal Canadiens, which ended up being a, a pretty significant theme for them through that game. The good news is that they actually showed up and they were actually getting uh, the lion's share of the shot attempts in the first period. Uh, it was night and day uh, in terms of how they started this game versus the, the last one against the Minnesota Wild. They looked a lot better. Uh, and they're putting a lot of pucks towards the net. Again, they're just not hitting it. Everything's getting tipped or blocked or they're just missing clear. Um, of all people, Michael Pizzetta came the closest to scoring. About three minutes into the game, he rings one off the far post. Um, but again, they just they just could not hit the net. That was their best chance, really, in the first five minutes or so. They had chances, but anytime they did, it was either getting blocked, deflected, or they were missing the net clear. Uh, but they're getting pressure, okay? They're getting pressure, and that's what's really important. Now, late in the period, there's a very bad call on Alexander Ovechkin. He slashed the stick, which is something that they've been calling this year quite a bit, and it drives me nuts. And I'll, I'll say this, you know, even as a Habs fan, I don't like seeing that call, but the Habs go to the power play, and I'm worried, are they going to get scored on? But they do the exact opposite. Nick Suzuki gets the puck in the left face-off, or the right face-off circle, rather. He looks like he's going to shoot. He sells shot, uh, but he just swings it into the slot, and Sean Monaghan gets an easy tap-in to make it one nothing for the Habs. That's your score at the end of one. Uh, Habs had, I think, 15 or 16 shot attempts just at even strength. Never mind the the pretty decent power play that they had and the opportunities that they had there. 
but they only put four of those shots actually on goal, uh, or three shots actually at five on five. I think they had a few more on the power play, but three shots of five on five that should illustrate for you how bad they were at hitting the net and it was the same story in the second period they were clearly the better team at five on five uh, but they were just struggling to hit the net they have the puck on their stick they have the puck in the offensive zone a heck of a lot more than the capitals but they just can't hit the net with it uh, but right around the midway point of the period Habs get a really nice zone exit um, this time is Sean Monahan. He's on the right-hand side of the ice, just takes it all the way up. He's got Tanner Pearson on the left-hand side. He throws it into the middle, and Brendan Gallagher comes in. It goes on net. Brendan Gallagher comes in, takes the rebound, puts it in, follows the puck into the net himself. It's a vintage Brendan Gallagher goal where he ends up himself below the goal line and in the net, and it's 2-0 for the Montreal Canadiens. That's your score at the end of 40 minutes. Nothing really seems to be changing in the third. It's like a carbon copy of the last two periods. The Habs looking like the better team, uh, getting more shot attempts, but not hitting the net as much as the uh, Capitals. Capitals being a lot more efficient uh, with their shooting. And then we get into a penalty fest. <laughs> the Habs get a power play a little bit less than five minutes in. They almost get scored on. And I'm like, ah, it's nice to know that the power play is 100% not fixed. And then near the midway point, they actually get a five on three for about 20 seconds. They don't score on that five on three. Puck goes down the other way, and then Tom Wilson gets called for a trip. Maybe a little bit of a suspect trip. The the Caps bench seemed to think that that was a dive by Mike Matheson, um, but it gets called, and it gives him another five on three, this time for a minute and four seconds. But of course, they call a complete horseshit slashing call on Josh Anderson at the other end. Same thing, where he just taps the stick to try and like go hands over hands and disrupt somebody from being able to sweep the puck out of the zone, and that kills the five on three. Um, we go to four on three and uh, then we go to four on four for a little bit and then it goes to a five on four for Washington. Nobody can score in any of that fucking clusterfuck of penalties. But <laughs> of course, not long after that is over with about eight minutes left on the clock, uh, we're back to five on five. Mike Matheson has a bit of trouble in his own zone. He can't clear. Alexander Ovechkin gets the puck and he goes cross ice for Dylan Strom on the back door. That's a tough one for Jake Allen. He's sliding side to side. Jake Allen had a very good game up to this point, but he can't stop that one. It's two to one. Then with two minutes on the clock, Darcy Kemper is leaving the Caps net to go to the bench, but before he can even get the extra attacker out there in his stead, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov does a wraparound. It kind of just completely misses, but it goes out to the other side, and guess who's there? It's Dylan Strom, second of the game, two to two. Nothing anybody can do about that one. I mean, that was just... That was a bit of bad puck luck. Maybe somebody could have picked up Strom, but what are you going to do? Uh, we're all tied up at two. Nobody can do anything from there, and we go to three-on-three three overtime. Hope you got your heart rate monitors on, but this one doesn't last too long, folks. Puck is in the Montreal Canadiens zone. They had a bit of a scare there ahead of that. Um, with uh, a bit of a bad pass by Nick Suzuki. But Mike Matheson gets it in the corner, gives it over to Nick Suzuki. He throws a long pass up the ice to guess who? Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield coming into the zone with some pressure on him, and he just unleashes a beautiful wrister. Short side, game over. 3-2 to two is your final score in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I got to say, I don't love... <laughs> I don't love giving up a two-goal lead in the third period. Um, the third period was, I should also note, uh, their worst of the game, uh, even at five-on-five. Five. They were dominant in the first two periods, but in the third period, they really kind of, they were letting way too much happen in the slot uh, in their own zone, and I, did, I do not love them giving up a two-goal lead, but um, I got to say, I did love the bounce back from that Minnesota game. 
you guys, anybody who, who bothered to tune into my episode there, I don't blame you if you listen to most of my episodes and you decided to skip that one because that game fucking sucked. But the turnaround here, the fact that they got that much better uh, from one game to the next, uh, very encouraging for me. Uh, thumbs up to the coaching staff for being able to rally. Thumbs up to the whatever they did in practice uh, to, to get the Lions looking a little bit more cohesive after the dock injury. Um, again, I felt like in that Minnesota game, they just didn't have enough time to get used to the new configuration. Um, and they, they looked like shit as a result. And uh, they looked very, very good against the Capitals for most of that game. Uh, again, if you if you tighten that up a little bit and you fix the special teams, that's probably a five one win, maybe five two. You could maybe go ahead and say Dylan Strom gets both of the uh, goals that he was going to get, anyways. You know, I, I think five two six two is is entirely possible if you're if you're a little bit more accurate with your shooting, number one, and if you don't try to sit on that two goal lead in the third period. And of course, you, you need a little bit of help from your power play to get to five or six goals in a game. But uh, look, overall, uh, encouraging, especially to see them come with an effort like that on the heels of what was a horrible game uh, against the Minnesota Wild. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Player of the game. Who are we going to give player of the game to? Because there were plenty of options in this one. I'm going to have to give you more than one. Um, Let's start with Jake Allen. I felt like he was he was very effective in that game. The like I said, the, the Habs they they were the better team at five on five, uh, no doubt, right? They were controlling most of the shot attempts. They had better scoring chances. Um, hitting the net was their main issue, but the Capitals again they were super efficient and they were getting some really good shots on him. And uh, when they did get power plays, the Capitals that is, uh, Jake Allen had to make some really nice saves um, to keep the Habs in that game and to keep them in the lead once they had it. Um, he was a very important player for them in that one. He got first star, I think, in the building, actually, for the game. Uh, and it was well-deserved. Uh, so I, I would definitely call him a player of the game for the Habs in that one. Um, he, he, without, without him, you, you, don't, you, you never know. If you had worse goaltending in that game, uh, it could end up going down as one of those games where you go, well, they were a way better team at 5-on-5, five five, but uh, they, got, they got their asses kicked uh, because a couple of shitty ones went in. Uh, and that didn't happen. So good game from him. I think he definitely deserves uh, to have, you know, to have some flowers thrown to him for that one, uh, it was uh, it was it was a very strong effort from him, and I think uh, you know something for him to build on. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the future holds for the Habs goaltenders, but uh, man, they uh, they probably got to trade somebody, and uh, he stands to be the one guy that you know I think most people would probably rather trade because he's the older goaltender in the system right now. So um, I don't know. More, more games like that would certainly go a long way to having contenders be interested in his services. Um, you also have to give it to Cole Caulfield. Uh, Cole Caulfield was magnificent in that game, man. He really wanted a goal. Uh, he was trying a lot of really neat things out there to get one in uh, in regulation, uh, but he just couldn't, and he got stopped a few times, and uh, they were really keying on him when the Habs had the power play, so he couldn't get uh, the looks that he was trying to get. But when it got into overtime, man, and he got that chance to come in, like you, you knew as soon as he crossed the blue line that he was going to do it. He was going to put that one in the net. You saw it even in the wild game, right? They were down 5-1 at the end of that game, and he was out on the ice, and he was trying everything in his power to put one in the net. It's like he wants to have an 82-goal season. He wants to score a goal per game, um, and that's not going to happen, but he wants it is is what's important, and you can see it uh, just the way that he plays and the way, the way that he's generating offense is, is developing uh, really nicely. Um, he still has that shot, uh, but he's also capable of getting in uh, tight whenever he wants to. Uh, he's got wiggle out there, man. Like he can dangle some defenders and make them look silly. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a great year for him. Again, I'll say it one more time. He's going over forty for sure. 
Uh, I think he might kiss 50 this season. Uh, fantastic game from him. Definitely deserves to be mentioned among the players of the game. And then I would also say his line mate, uh, Raphael Harvey-Pinard, uh, was excellent. Uh, in that game really liked him on the forecheck uh, he's super aggressive uh, he, he's just relentless in puck pursuit and the result of that was a lot of times when that top line was in the offensive zone uh, when the Caps were trying to get out he would just be so relentless in puck pursuit that even if he couldn't turn it over and take the puck himself he would disrupt their breakout enough that somebody else whether it be a defenseman or Nick Suzuki or someone would be able to get that puck put it back in deep and they would kind of reset and then keep going offensively uh, that line was over 60% uh, of shot attempts when they were on the ice at five on five. So they were, ice was tilted in the Habs' favor when the top line was out there. And that is something we have not seen from that top line this season. So RHP, for now, I'm saying he's he's the guy. He's got to stay on that other wing. I don't care. Uh, even if Kirby Dot came back tomorrow, I would still say that's what you need to do. Josh Anderson should not be the guy on that line. Um, and that is a good segue, I guess, to uh, my next point, which is that the second line was actually pretty good as well. And I, I've, I've kind of been enjoying that second line more and more. Even in that shitty game against the Minnesota Wild, I felt like there were moments where I was like, okay, this this could work with Josh Anderson and Alex Newhook being moved to center. And the, the more I see from them, the more I like it. Uh, we do know, however, that Christian Dvorak is coming back. So I'll be interested to see what the coaching staff decides to do uh, at that point, because there's been a lot of talk about maybe Newhook moving back to the wing uh, and Dvorak obviously playing center, which is a natural position, and maybe moving Monaghan up to that second line. Um, Monaghan, another player who played a very good game in that one, I think he could potentially be among the, the players of the game. But it's, it's going to be interesting once they bring Dvorak back into the fold, how they're going to decide to do that. Because, I again, I've been enjoying that second line more and more. Uh, I thought they were quite effective in that game, and I think that Anderson kind of is is a pretty decent complement to the other two. Um, he's you know he's a battering ram, and when you aim him squarely at the net, um, he he can get a lot done for you. He's he's a useful player. He was one of the worst offenders when it came to missing the net in that game. He had some really nice opportunities that he just sailed, you know, two feet over the bar. But uh, overall, I liked his game. I, I liked his aggressiveness, uh, again, in puck pursuit and along the walls. Um, and I think he's a decent complement to that second line. I think they're going to get better the more time that they get to play together. So, uh, again, be very interested to see what they decide to do uh, once Christian Dvorak is officially back in the lineup. Now, another thing that might be very interesting for people to hear, um, and I would say both of these guys probably deserved some consideration for player of the game, even though they didn't find the score sheet, uh, Justin Barron and Arbor Jackai were both over 60% on the possession metrics. Uh, shot attempts, 63.16 in favor of the Habs when Justin Barron was on the ice and 62.50 in favor of the Habs when Arbor Jackai was on the ice. Both of them had in extremely effective games for the Habs. Um, they were... Uh, and there's no real easy minutes against the Caps. They've got offensive talent up and down their their forward lineup. So no matter what you get, you're, you're going to have some players that can hurt you on the other side. And... I was really impressed by both of those players in that game. Uh, Justin Barron had some really nice plays uh, where he's kind of spinning off guys, not necessarily doing the Savardian spinorama, but just a little bit of a spinorama to get space for himself and then uh, start to move out and look for where he can send the puck. And uh, I, I I don't know. I, uh, I, I felt like it was maybe one of the better games that I've seen him play in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Uh, I know he had a bit of a rough preseason, uh, and he kind of needs to 
get back to where he was towards the end of last year. But I wonder, too, if maybe he's just a bit of a slow starter. And, um, you know, we, we saw a really good game from him there, and I'd like to see him carry that uh, into into subsequent uh, matches as well. And then Arbor Jackeye, man, uh, physical force. Uh, he's, he's you know, he didn't have to fight anybody in that game, uh, but he sure was putting the shoulder to people. Uh, he's letting people know he's there. Uh, there was a sequence at one point where, um, who was it? Uh, it was, was it Kuznetsov? No, it was uh, Sonny Milano, who interfered with Jake Allen. He ended up getting a goaltender interference penalty, and then Jack I came over immediately. Gave him a little bit of a face wash, uh, but he kept it reserved. You know, he didn't end up taking a penalty. He obviously saw that the ref was already going to call the goaltender interference. Uh, he did the smart thing, which was let the guy know, all right, I'm not going to tolerate that, but you go take a seat in the box for two minutes, feel shame, and, uh, and you know, do something like that again. I might beat the shit out of you. Uh, I, I liked what he did there. You know, he, he let him know he was there, but he didn't go over the line, uh, and he allowed the, the Habs to get their opportunity on the power play. Um, now, I do, at the end here, I, I talked about all the positives, all right? I got the positives out of the way first. I do have to do my little complaint about the officiating, and I'm going to make this balanced, all right? Because this is not this was not a Chris Lee game, so I'm not going to sit here and say they were against the Montreal Canadiens, because they weren't. They were just horrible, and we've been seeing this more and more this season. Number one, they're calling these slashes on the stick. You're allowed to go hands over hands. You're, I'm allowed to hit your stick with my stick. I'm okay with them calling a slash if it breaks the stick, but some of these calls are just getting stupid. There was two of them in this game. So there was the one on Alexander Ovechkin, which the Habs ended up scoring on, that should not have been a penalty. And then there was the one on Josh Anderson, which took away a five-on-three and probably took away a goal from the Habs because they had a full minute of five-on-three. As bad as their power play is, you give him a full minute with Cole Caulfield out there, he's going to find his look, right? And they, you know, I, I don't understand it. I don't know if the, the league has told them that they want to crack down on on stick on stick action i don't know why that would be a thing that you feel like you need to crack down on but fuck man it's the Habs have really bad special teams and the more calls happen in a game the more nervous i get the more the, the more it ruins my enjoyment of the game i would love to see them play a full game where nobody takes a penalty you know i would love to because their power play is not good and their penalty kill is also not good there was a point in the first period where the Caps had a power play, right? And the Habs had all four guys on the kill in the corner. Alexander Ovechkin was standing off to the other side of the slot. Alexander fucking Ovechkin is standing in his spot. And you have all four guys on the opposite side of the ice in the corner. What are you doing? There's, like, I've had plenty of people where I point out inefficiencies like I'll put up a clip and I'll be like I don't like the way that they're doing this and people will be like oh yeah like you know what are you an NHL coach there's no person who has ever watched the game of hockey I don't give a fuck if you have coaching experience playing experience or what who's going to look at that four guys in the corner one of the best goal scorers maybe the best goal scorer of all time standing out front and go yeah this makes sense it's there, there's so many things that they do that are just completely counterintuitive, and that's where you know the refs making calls like this really you know irks me because I number one I, I want the game to have some integrity. I don't want these stupid little things getting called like that. Um, they also called Mike Matheson for pushing a guy, and they said it was I forget what they called. They called it roughing or tripping. It doesn't matter. It wasn't a fucking penalty, and 
the Habs with their abysmal special teams makes it even worse for me because number one, as a former ref, you know, I like uh, I like to think I know something or other about the the profession itself and about what you're supposed to call and what you're not supposed to call. So it bothers me when I see a bad penalty, and then it bothers me even more because I know that the Habs are so inept at special teams that it could really really impact the game, and uh, I just don't like when these NHL officials are leaning into the frame of the game like that. Nobody pays money to watch you ref. We pay to watch the game. So let us watch the game, man. Um, That's about all I have to say about that one. Um, Again, I want to leave it. I don't want to leave it on a negative note talking about the refs. I want to leave it on a positive note, which is just look at how much better they were uh, in this game versus that wild game. If you haven't seen the wild game yet, just go back and look at a highlight pack and, uh, and then, Contrast that with what you saw against the Washington Capitals. It looked like a different team out there. So that's probably the best news that we could have possibly hoped for out of this game. Even if they lost in overtime, this is what I would close this particular podcast out on because um, I am immeasurably happy that the team is not just going to look like absolute dog shit without Kirby Doc every game. Um, It's good to know that they're able to make some adjustments. And um, again, thumbs up to the coaching staff. And, uh, and thumbs up to the players, man. They, they rallied together and they put out a pretty good game for us. So Habs have a winning record now. Wonder how long that's going to last. Um, how long are we running for this episode? We're running over 20 minutes. So since we're énorme pour les employés de soutien, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. This episode has been brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.